You're listening to Adam Air, MD, GED, Underground Cartoon Therapy. You wanted the best, you got the best. The greatest guest in the world, Kim L. Jackson! <laughs> that's right, we brought Kim back. We as in me. And that's how it's rolling. You got a problem with that, motherfucker? Well, why don't you just turn on the TV? <laughs> We're going to start talking about TV. TV tonight. How you guys like that fucking shit, huh? <laughs> I found some zombie blue filtered light. Well, we're welcoming back Kim Jackson, and uh, we're kind of both kind of burnt out or whatever. But I figured, hey, let's just do this fucking organic episode. But you know, life sucks in the virus. <laughs> Outside the virus and all the shitty TV that's on, we're going to talk about the classic shit. I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about. I don't even have fucking weed. I'm smoking fucking resin. (laughs) But there is some fucking classic television that motherfuckers our age grew up with. We're going to do the best I can. I'm going to do the best you can. (laughs) Oh my god. TV casualties. Did you sit in front of this old school TV set when you were a kid and leave fucking radioactive marks behind your ass because you sat in front of it so long? Absorbing every bit of information you could. <laughs> well, you're about to talk to two of the biggest fucking TV fucking experts that there are. And I think Kim knows a little bit more than me. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? She's fucking wonderful. Alright guys, stick around. TV casualties. Welcome, welcome back guys. I'm about to bring Kim out here, but uh, before I do, I just want to say some of the best times I've ever had talking about television has been with this woman right here. So welcome back, Kim Jackson. Hey, hey, welcome from New York and L.A. You got Adam Air and Kim Jackson coming at you. How you doing out there, Kim? I'm doing really good. Doing really good. Okay, well, lies aside. No, I'm just playing. (laughs) None of us are doing good, damn it. Um, Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, talk about old television because I don't really want to talk about anything else. Obviously, that's what this episode's about. And for you guys out there, if you don't like TV... That's your fucking problem. Go listen to something else. Um, have you been watching any uh, cool-ass old television or anything? Um, I think the only thing that that stands out in my mind 
heart to heart. It's uh, it's like there's some there's like all of these weird channels that you can only get if you have an antenna. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess antenna, which they're like thirty dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get some really crazy channels out there. It's just free shit, free television. And heart to heart comes on at like some ridiculous hour. You've got to be like wide awake um, <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and the, yeah, and then it's like then you you know the whole you know the whole thing of how it starts and the the voiceover, the funky bass, and everything. It's it just it's kind of good to go back and watch that stuff. Well, I remember heart to heart had that Max their chauffeur. Is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally, dude. And he was like the mediator, right, between the two. You know, it's like he kind of, he's basically, not so much like the mediator, but he's kind of like the, he really, if you go back and watch the shows, he's kind of like the glue that kind of keeps everything together because he kind of pulls every storyline along. You know, he's always involved with something. And, you know, if you go back and watch, Max had a lot of girlfriends. Yeah, he wasn't fucking around. I mean, the guy was a total lady killer. Yeah, he had like, and it was thing like every couple of episodes, Max had a new girlfriend, or he was going to meet some, you know, age appropriate babe, you know, uh, equally as uh, spicy as Max. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember the beginning of the show too when it shows the out clips from like season, you know, season one and two or whatever, and like it shows like. Mrs. Hart dangling off the uh, ladder, falling out of the helicopter. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm telling you, go back and watch it. It's it's really it's it's a, it's really entertaining, and it's also nice to watch something where it's just. First of all, you wonder like, why are these people involved with all of these murders? And um, and then also, I found out recently how Jonathan Hart became rich, which I didn't know. Oh, shit. He's, yeah, dude, he's apparently, he's into technology. Like, he, that's his whole deal. So he's a tech guy. He was like, he was, he was pre-Bill Gates, probably around the same time as, uh, what's that other fucker's name? Uh, anyway, but basically, he's like a tech guy, you know, he's a computer guy. But, I, you know, there's so, there's something, when you watch the show, it's very, it's, fun it's sexy uh-huh. they love you know they're just you know first of all they're both they're a hot couple you mm-hmm. know they're just this is hot couple no kids they're rich as fuck they travel all over the place they like to have fun and they got like a badass like manservant is that what we're gonna call it <laughs> well played by uh, uh lionel j stander who was just like a totally underrated uh i always thought he was like the Ernest Borgnine stunt double. Like a voice like that, that's like, you know, voices like that, you know, we, we aren't going to see that going forward into our future where it was just cool to be, you could be craggy. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Oh, you could that's a good word. Like, that's a good word. Yeah, but you could you could have a face that looked like a catcher's mitt. You could have a gravelly voice, but you could still be like, you know, like you said, and fucking Lionel J. Stander. But just you know what I'm saying? Like that was 
cool. You know, you could just be a real person on television. And that's like, I guess, when we're talking about a lot of these shows, um, if you go back and you look at this stuff, people had character. Yeah. You know, people had fucking character. Like, you know, um, not not so much a, you know, a, a TV actor, but fucking Ruth Gordon, man. Ruth oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, she was 127 years old and and still was like, you know, she had the fucking character, dude. Like her face showed up on the screen, and you were like, she wasn't, um, she wasn't, you know, Botoxed and stretched and lip inject. She just, she was an old lady, and that was you could do that shit. And that's the cool shit about all of these kind of classic things is that you could just have a face, dude. You yeah. could have a cool ass fucking face mm-hmm. and cool ass voice. Be and be and and not and not be smooth, you know. Just be like, no, this is me. This is who I fucking am, mm-hmm. and that's what made all of that shit pop. That's what made the television just crackle. You know, you would be watching it as and what, what were, we were like. We were just like little little numbskulls, you know. Oh like, God, yeah. Tiny kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, I definitely was a numbskull. I definitely fit into several divisions of numbskullery. Um. But, you know, but, you know tell me, tell, come on, dude. You were six years old, right? You were probably like five or six years old watching TV shows with grown-ass adults on it. And you were totally straight, right? Yeah. You know, I, I you know, okay, here's the deal with me, man. And just to finish up that heart-to-heart real fast, I wanted to bounce way back there because my favorite line in that whole thing was just at the beginning with, like, my name is Max, and I work for them both. And I think that, you know, that that was the that was the line that fucking kind of satisfied. You know, it led me into Aaron Spelling. Oh, fuck, dude. And, okay. Yeah. Okay, now, now we're going to, we broke the hymen, let's go. All right. Okay, yeah, dude, just roll, you know what, you already started rolling up your sleeves, mm-hmm. you just, <laughs> you might as well, <laughs> you might as well just let the slug gaze open, because if you don't talk about the man that, first of all, okay, I'm going to give you the platform right now. TV mafia, all, TV mob, man, no, yeah. But th- if people don't know this about you, they think like, oh, you're just some, you know, punk rock guy. If people need to know something, they need to know that Aaron Spelling mm-hmm. is your fucking godfather. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you are. <laughs> and you are like the fucking Aaron Spelling, like, super fan. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. people know that. People, oh, dude, here, I'm going to just throw some shit out there. Okay, all right. Charlie's Angels. Oh, man. Wait a minute. Hotel. See, people don't know about that. People don't know about Hotel. That's They know about Charlie's Angels, and they know shitty remakes more than anything. But, the, yeah. uh, you know, only saving grace is Bill Murray. But, um, you know, uh, who saves everything. <laughs> but <laughs> the, uh, uh, the Aaron Spelling deal... Well, you know, watching Vegas, mm-hmm. 1978, Tori Spelling, age seven, gets on her first role. And I okay. was like, 
damn, dude, I'm fucking hooked. And then uh, I remember, like, it, it just kept coming out. Love Boat. I fucking oh, shit. was addicted to Love Boat, dude. I even saw the episode when Hee Haw crossed over on the Love Boat. And Charlie's Angels crossed over on the Love Boat, too. Did you know that? No. Yeah, they did. They showed up on the Love Boat. There was a two-part series where they had to solve some fucking crime. Um, I always thought it was interesting that, you know, Farrah Fawcett, uh, who was a TV sensation at that time, was la- was married to Lee Majors. Uh-huh. Also a TV sensation. Right. Let's be real. But the reality was is he was hard on her, you know. And uh, he he made her quit Charlie's Angels. I heard something like that. You know, he said he was like, I think what he said was, "I make thirty five thousand dollars a week around here. I'm I'm the breadwinner." And that was it. She wasn't allowed to make her own money or whatever. And that was like a totally different time. That's obviously outdated. You're not going to pull that shit, guys. You know. And, uh, it really empowered when she did the made for TV special, uh, the burning bed. Yeah. Which was just, see, the thing is, that's the thing is like, there's so much that I think that, you know, the, the younger, and I'm not totally bashing, you know, younger people, but, but as a whole, a lot of the things that the younger generation don't understand and don't know is that if it were not for shit like the burning bed, a lot of the conversations that we're having in 2020 wouldn't even exist. That shit was like, that shit was like iconic because it basically said to, you know, to a lot of women who saw that shit, you know, cause you see beautiful, talented Farrah Fawcett, you know, being a battered wife dude on TV, man. Mm-hmm. TV. Oh yeah. And we saw that shit. Mm-hmm. And, and that, then we and it was like I think a lot of women were just like they saw that shit and they were like it made it, it allowed them to come out and tell their story. Yeah, so that was like mm-hmm. it was. So that's what I'm saying. A lot of this stuff that that we that we see today, there's a reason why. You know, there are people who laid the fucking foundation for what we see today. Oh you yeah, know? and so. But, but, you know, I think that part of it is is because, you know, and we're not even telling tales out of school. Facts are facts. Farrah Fawcett was a fucking, she was iconic. Oh, yeah. Uh, beyond beyond just a poster, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, you know, but the, but the thing is, oh, wait a minute. Here's the thing. Before she even did that, back in the day, I know some, some shit from, like, back in the day. First of all... Farrah Fawcett back in like 1970 or 19, it was like late 60s, early 70s, she had a guest star on, on I Dream of Jeannie. Oh, yeah. You know? And then, uh, see, so we're talking about that old shit. But she also did a commercial with, um, I think with like Joe Namath or some shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so she was already like, she was already like in people's heads. So you know she was building her her icon status like in that in a really slow burn kind of way. So that's why people are they took her into their hearts, and that's what you know a lot of this shit. You know a lot of these shows that we talk about and all these icons. 
you know, all of those icons that we know and we love, everybody was, they were like, so many people were like slow burns. You know, they just didn't like show up like, okay, you know, because we're, we're kind of all over with the TV stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's how most of my shows are. You know that. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 just, but like, if you look at all of the stuff that is just legendary, mm-hmm. a, a lot of those people were hustling in the entertainment industry for years before they got their respect. You know, you couldn't just, you know, people talk about, you know, whatever, whatever. It's like, man, a lot of those people hustled before they got to their their sweet spot. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, plus the unfortunate, you know, there are so many aspects of what comes on this vintage TV, what happens to these guys, who the producers were, what happened to them, you know, um, you know, it's just hard to see where to start, you know, but we both are, you're, you're really, uh, like a few minutes older than me. I mean, you saw like, uh, uh, a couple more things than I did, but, um, we generally saw the same shit. And I think that, you know, for me, the things that attracted me the most, obviously when you're a kid are cartoons, these live action Mm -hmm. specials, Mm -hmm. specials that intertwine, uh, live action, with, uh, you know, the cartoon deal. And these are made for television movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, eventually you progress into this, okay, the parents let you stay up until 8 o'clock. You know, you get to watch yeah. fucking, uh, you know, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mark and Mindy, and then you get to go to bed. But um, when those uh, shows came on, oh, man just the enrichment and the way that it just took people like you and I into this ultra TV dimension. And that's really who this episode's for. Uh, People who were lost in the nostalgia of a time period that can't produce fucking good TV anymore. You know, I think that, um, you know, I I think that, you know, first of all, um, if we're going to talk about, you know, Happy Days, Shirley mm-hmm. Mark Mindy. Oh yeah, and we're going to for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we are the you know the biggest thing is we have to talk about Gary Marshall. Like mm-hmm. I think to you know that guy. Um, you know, and I I know somebody who 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 worked in like five Gary Marshall movies said um, straight up like just like a, like he was like a father to everybody. He was a lovely oh, yeah. person. And you can't get, um, and there was even a special on like, you know, like a month or two ago, you know, the man died like two years ago. People still wanted to do a special about how fucking awesome he was because that, that all of those shows, all of that fucking like, just that, those, that show, those shows had heart, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, without a doubt, without a doubt, I mean, it's all it was. But you know that, like, um, but there would be no, first of all, if it were not for Love American Style, mm. there would be no Happy Days. That's true, y'all. You know? I don't even know how many you people know? even remember Love American Style, but to those that do and that are in our age group, like I said, and, you know, Love and the Happy Day, that was the name yeah. of that particular episode, where really it was a battle, it was actually dealing with racism, wasn't it? Am I wrong? 
You know, I, what I remember about that. I might be I might be confusing it, but I thought it was like still Marion uh, Ross, uh, who plays um, Richie Cunningham's mom on Happy Days. You all marry him, but then uh, uh, they had a different person that wasn't Tom Bosley. I thought maybe I'm wrong, dude. No, I think you're right. I think there was a different dad, uh-huh. and um, I just remember Richie going on a date. And he took the girl home, and he was leaning against the doorbell. He kept trying to, like, go in for a kiss, and he leaned onto the doorbell, and the doorbell kept ringing, and the mother kept coming out. And, you know, basically, they were kind of dealing with sex in, like, a really very fresh kind of, you know, kind of sneaky kind of way. Because, you know, in the 50s, it was supposed to be like, oh, everybody's so sweet and innocent. Uh And, um... You know, and then they were kind of like, Love American Style was talking about sex. They, mm-hmm. That's what the show was about. It was just talking about people doing it. And, <laughs> you know, let's be, come on, let's call it some business, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, they, you know, when Happy Days came on, they they had a black guy named Sticks. I don't. Fucking racism. But in like 1974, man, it's like. See, that's what I thought Love and the Happy Day pilot was. I thought he was, Richie was dating a black girl and the dad was against it. I don't know why. Maybe I'm wrong, dude. No, I think, no, I think that that, hap- that may have happened later. Okay. But the, but, yeah, but, that, but the show did deal with that. You know, they did talk about that. Oh, yeah, that. most certainly. Yeah, for sure. And there was like a, uh, God, there was like some of the episodes were just like, okay, here's the thing. Like, a lot of people, even if you watch Happy Days now, because it, it does come on those, um, like I said, those antenna channels where um, you get these antenna channels. And I think you can get, like, you can get, like, 40 random channels that show old TV, you know, like MASH. You can go find MASH and shit. Like, oh, like, my God. MASH. Another fucking, yeah. you know, and, we, well, we, can, we hit the MASH mine, so... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's <laughs> and we all know that that last episode of MASH is some of the most tear-jerking ass shit you've ever seen in your life. Dude, there's some, there's some oh tear-jerker shit. Oh, my God. Memorial. Memorial. Oh, my God. Oh. And then they went and ruined it, you know, <laughs> when they tried to make the spinoff. And there was like three spinoffs, y'all. There was Trapper John, MD. There was... Uh, which was the best of the spinoffs. It was the best of the spinoff. And then the second best was MASH. Uh, re, er, after MASH. After MASH. And then the third one that most people don't know about is fucking... Uh, is fucking um, the one with Radar, you know, getting his own uh, deal where he's a cop in St. Louis. Yeah. I can't you remember what the name of it is, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where Lucy from Twin Peaks comes from, is that episode but you know I actually had to google um, I had to google the radar show and I if I'm not mistaken now I may be talking you know I may be telling tales out of school (laughs) but if I'm not mistaken I believe that um, that the radar that radar may be on uh, on YouTube I'm not, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent. Oh, it is. It is. You're right. Yeah. No, that's where I actually yeah. saw it. I mean, I, that's the only real resource you got. Thankfully it's there to find these hidden 
treasures and to verify that you're not crazy <laughs> but uh um definitely radar i can't remember what it's called but it's just ra- radar pd <laughs> bullshit it just sucked it was horrible it was awful there was what it was a one shot run and they ended it and there's a couple of uh you know instances where these spinoffs come off these shows and they're just it's shit and, you know, it's unfortunate because I think that, but here's, you know, we can also kind of do this kind of side-by-side comparison, yeah. you know, where if you look at um, Love American Style, which spun off Happy Days, which spun off Laverne and Shirley, which spun off Mork and Mindy and Joni Loves Chachi. Oh, God. Let's... Joni Loves Chachi. Oh, no. I used to say Joni Loves Crotchy. <laughs> I still do. But you know, but here's the thing is, even though those shows, you know, Happy Days, you know, all of these shows spun off, yeah, they were all relatively successful. Oh, yeah. But MASH, which was like this beautiful, um, and I know people who hate MASH, but I think that even when I watch it now, like a million years later, there's some episodes like where, um, like, there was like where they go through some really dark shit. Like they don't have a. Like, here's the thing. I think it's it's weird. Yeah. To have a show where you kill off somebody who was loved, just kill them off and go through all of the emotions and shit that mm-hmm. come with it. Like um, like the one guy oh, who's played by McLean Stevenson. Uh huh. And remember, he like he went and he left. And then Radar comes into the operating room and he reads the fucking telegram, dude. And they say uh, that he died. Dude, if you go back and... I'm telling you, if you watch that shit tonight, you will cry like a baby. You will need to be, you will need to be held because <laughs> it is still... <laughs> Prepare for the holding. <laughs> yeah, dude, because I'm telling you, it's still has that little like uh that little like that little thing that just touches your heart and if you're not make you know to I can and also I think I am not I'm telling you I'm not one of those people who believe like nothing as good is on TV because that's not true but my point about a lot of that stuff is some of it was just fluff and I love the fluff don't get me wrong. I love me some fluffy television. Sweet you fluff, know, yeah. Um, yeah, because, dude, like, you know, you were saying about um, about those kids shows. Mm-hmm. First of all, Saturday morning basically meant that we didn't need a babysitter. Yeah, that was our babysitter. Yeah. Yep. It was like you could just you could just park your kid in front of the television, depending on which network, because everybody had their own little thing happening. But there was like, I mean, some of that shit was just, it was mesmerizing. Uh-huh. And it, it, it made you kind of want to be a dreamer, you know? It made you want to be a part of these fantastic worlds, you know? And I think that, you know, at one, at one part of us, you know, we were watching grown shit at like six years old. But then at the same time, Saturday morning, and it was the most beautiful, fantastic, crazy, magical, like... Oh, I know. I, yep. Dude. And, well, you know, it was 
one part of it because the the cereal was the other part of it and then uh and there was a couple things you needed you know you had to get your little shit ready for the next six hours because you were <laughs> not coming back <laughs> um but uh <laughs> you, had have, you had to have your right pajamas on <laughs> oh god dude i was just sitting there man and we had those old television sets that were still beaming out radiation not these flat screen you know digital fucking motherfuckers but you know this shit had a fucking radiation tube in it <laughs> <laughs> It's like I think that there. Um, I actually used to remember that there was a word that and had the word rate that was called cathon radon tube or something. <laughs> yeah. No, no, dude, that was a shit. That wasn't like literally. But we were being babysat. So. I know. I know. Well, <laughs> you know, I I remember the Saturday morning thing, and then I remember like these other uh, different television times when. You know, I had to go out to the country out in Ohio when I where I grew up at, and my uh, I'd have to spend like the whole weekend with my great grandmother, uh, who was a survivor on the Titanic. Uh, oh, right, and, word. And you know, all <laughs> I was there when she passed away. She was 103 years old. You know, um, and I fed her a banana, and then she passed away, and that was my grandma Long. And she was like, scratch my head. And so I rubbed her little head, and she had little pieces of cotton just coming out of there, you know. But, you know, this same lady who was, you know, who passed away in front of me, she was a battle tank most of my life. And I remember she would just be like, you sit there and you watch these shows with me. And then uh, <laughs> we, we had to watch, like, I learned every goddamn drama. Days of Our Lives, As the World Turns, oh, General Hospital, Santa Barbara, uh, Days of Our Life, um, you know, uh, uh, all of it, man. And I had to memorize these shows because, you know, after you spend 12 years with your grandma, you know, and that's all she's watching, you know. You're, now, you're, what was her name <laughs> for the, um, now, what was her name? Because, you know, I know what, um, I know what my what my family called him, but what did your grandma call the soap operas? Did she call them soap operas? Did she, what did she call them? I think she would be like the soaps are on. Yeah, because some people, mm -hmm. like, because, um, like, sometimes, you know, my, my grandmother would just call them the programs. The programs. <laughs> or the stories. Yeah, stories are on. Yep, I've heard that a couple times, for sure. <laughs> programs definitely dropped. <laughs> Like, like I, you know, um, I don't know if the time difference, how it worked where you were, but where, where I, you know, where I grew up, they would come on then, and then they would go on until three thirty. It lasted a while, dude. You know, dude, it was, and it was just all, it was like all fucking day, man. It uh -huh. was like, you know, and then I would come home, like. um I would come home after school and watch like the end of one and the beginning of another one. Then I had to do homework or some shit. But dude, like producing an hour of fucking television every day. Not the faint of heart, man. You know, people think this shit's like, oh, these guys just come in there. They do, you know, it's like, 
No, man. <laughs> nope, it's not even like that. And the moment that the fucking show gets pulled, they won't even give these actors or actresses like a fucking t like a decent notice, you know. Because remember the Jeffersons, they got up to season five, and then when the uh, when the season stopped, they were like season five, and everybody was like, all right. And they were just under the impression to return. Sherman Hemsley and all, all these other people show up, you know, and they're all reading the same note, written in crayon, mind you. Show's over. That's just bullshit. You That's know, fucking that. bullshit. You know, and, <laughs> and then, you know, the thing is, like, that is... It's rude, know, man. It's rude. Yeah, it's rude. Because I think that a lot of shows deserve... They deserve their... Their, I was going to say battle royale. That's not the way. I, that's not. Well, I, <laughs> I think I know where you're going. They deserve yeah. uh, credibility. They deserve respect. You know, you're going to respect these guys. You're going to be at least there to tell them, hey, you know what? The network decided no. Sorry, guys. Thank you for everything. Instead of writing some fucking letter in crayon. I mean, you know. <laughs> It doesn't add up. I mean, for all the work that these guys do and the life-changing shit that they they do, man, it, it really is un. It's just discredited. Um, and you know, plus getting typecasted as a as another issue, which I was wanting oh, to bring yeah. up because we were on the Elegant Goofball. We were talking about these. Uh, if you guys haven't heard the Elegant Goofball episode, guys, go back and listen to that shit. It's fucking awesome. It's one of the best episodes you know I've ever recorded. Uh, and this one surely is too, man. But, um, you know, on the Elegant Goofball one, the one thing I had thought about and I didn't bring up was this one post that I threw up there where uh, the little kid's depressed, sitting there holding, he's dressed like, the little kid's dressed like Superman and he's holding this old newspaper and it says Superman is dead. And this is like 1940, you know, right at like 45, 46. Uh, you know, maybe a little later, not past 50. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. But, you know, George Reeves was on that old episode of uh, I Love Lucy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Superman shows up to little Ricky's birthday party. And it's just this classic fucking episode. And George Reeves was like, you know, one of the coolest renditions of Superman because... You know, for the time period and, you know, this uh, guy who tried to kind of come and emulate the original Superman. But if you guys don't know what happened at the end of, the, of his career, you know, I guess it was pretty morbid. Uh, the woman who played Lois Lane and some other people that were on the show and uh, they were all sitting down there and they knew George was depressed. And because he tried to get into another role and leave the Superman role, and they wouldn't let him. And Lois Lane busted his balls and was like, well, what are you going to go do? you going to go upstairs and shoot yourself? Do you think you're faster than a speeding bullet? And guess what he did? He went upstairs right in front of him and, you know, and took himself out. And these are the hardcore pressures that, you know, have continually haunted these, you know, TV stars, especially from back in the day, you know? Well, you know what, I think, um, 
I think like, excuse me for coughing on radio. It's okay, but, Corona, uh, Corona, whatever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Now, but you know, it's. Um, but I think here's a good example. I'm okay. Gonna, so here's a good example of somebody, and I was going to say that she only had, well, but then I realized I was wrong. But I was going to bring up. Um, I was bring up. You know, where Barbara Eden. You know, she played Jeannie, for people who don't know, on I Dream of Jeannie, who was so famous for, um, first of all, the show was cute as hell. Oh, yeah. Um, it was just, it was cute. It was just cute, and she mm-hmm. was cute, and her body was banging. Oh, but, yeah. But, you know, the the thing about her show, and the thing that made her show... Losing you there. Are you Okay. Might be just a bad transmission. What's that? I was losing you for a minute. Can you say it again, Kim? I'm sorry about that. No, no. Um, so the show was controversial because her costume changed from one season to the next. And the thing that changed about the costume was they showed her belly button. Mm. And that was a huge, huge deal. Oh, my God. But that was like... You know, that was basically like, you might as well have just shown boobs on television. But I was thinking like, oh, she was typecast. But then I was like, no, I was wrong, dude. I forgot she was on that TV show. She did a show called Harper Valley PTA. I remember that. Oh, yeah. Dude, I was like, I was about to say, oh, she got typecast. Like, no, Barbara Egan, she did some other stuff. It's like, no, she was, and she's still alive. Yeah. She still looks fucking fantastic. Mm -hmm. She still is like I can't believe it too. You're totally right on the money though. She looks fucking yeah. phenomenal. She's like 127 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Barbara, I do not represent that. Please do not sue me. Thank you, Adam Air MGGD. Sincerely. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know. but you know, but I think that a lot of you but you're right. I think that there is a lot of people who were kind of typecast, but I think that what's cool what I think what is kind of cool is like what I always respect is the people who were making television shows in the late eighties and nineties when they would hire some of their, some of those people, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what you do mm-hmm. to show respect. And the, you know, if you, if you're getting, if, if you're in the business and you're getting rich and part of the reason why is because you were influenced by, like Sherman Helmsley. Well, put Sherman Helmsley, okay, yep. Helmsley on your fucking show. Uh-huh. You know, um, sure. that's my thought. Is like if you if you were influenced by somebody back in the day and they were being typecast, it's like you know what your job is to make sure that that person has a, that person continues working. And what's cool is Sherman Helmsley ended up doing a show back you know in the eighties and early nineties that was a very conservative, not conservative. But it was a very Christian show, but it was good, called, um, what was it called? Amen? Amen, dude. That show had the best fucking theme song, and it was gospel, mm-hmm. and when you would hear that gospel It was song, a good show. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was awesome. That's, yeah, but the thing is, like, it takes you sometimes, what's sad is that a lot of these people, it takes them so damn long to shake that image Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when people are let go of these shows, it's unceremonious. And you know, you know how I feel about that. Stuff. Oh, yeah. You don't do that. You don't do that to people who have been bringing laughter and joy and tears and you just cut them off like that. That's disrespectful. It is, dude. And they don't realize what impact 
They, you know, they're so busy looking at uh, Nielsen ratings and this kind of algorithm, you know, mm-hmm. it just becomes impersonal. And they don't realize yeah. the magic that they're actually delivering. You know, it's misappropriation of magic almost, you know, because... Oh, that's a perfect That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. I mean, when you do that to these guys who are changing our lives, and it's just these windbags. Again, guys, suit and, suit and tie dummies ruining everybody's shit from the modern problems we're dealing with on the ground level right now all the way back into television where we're talking now. It's always a suit dummy. Fucking shit up. And you know, those, pe- those people, here's the thing. I think when we may have touched on this before. Those people are not artists. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. They're not artists. They have no fucking clue. No. They're not. They don't have one creative bone in their body. Nope. And it's, um, you know, they could be selling soda pop or a fucking new Chevy. They don't, that's, it's no different for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all just like widgets you know it's all just like and I think that that's that's why when a good show happens it's always a shock because it's like wait you you allowed something good to be put on television (laughs) (laughs) that's what I felt like about Twin Peaks you know by the time I saw it I was like I can't believe I missed this you know Uh, it was just you know by that point I was like already over everything but you know of course there's this New wave of TV that had come out. Aaron Spelling still in the uh, in the in the ranks, uh, putting out nine hundred two one zero. Which guys, if you don't know that about me, you might as well know it's my favorite shit in the world. You can hate me, I don't give a fuck. It, I like it just as much as I like Twin Peaks. And there's what the fuck are you talking about? And it's like I was a member of the nine hundred two one zero fan club since ninety three. I had the little ID card. I had the uh, shower radio, the 90210 shower radio. You could, like, put in the shower, you know, the waterproof radio. I had uh, a couple of the dolls. I think I had Kelly, Donna, and Dylan. (laughs) And uh, all through my death metal career, that's all my band ended up doing was watching all the seasons of 90210. All the seasons of Love Boat. All the seasons of Melrose Place. Which reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where Jerry's in denial about watching Melrose Place, which is a classic fucking episode. Because, but you know, the thing is, because it showed, what that episode of Seinfeld showed was the, was the secret to the success of <laughs> Melrose Place and 90210, the secret to the success was it wasn't just teeny boppers who were watching the show. Oh, hell no. It, no, what that showed was it showed all those people who were like secretly watching it. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. yeah. When, especially when Jerry loses his shit and he explains like when he, when he was trying to deny it under oath that he hadn't, he didn't know anything about the show and then he just flipped out because that's where the show was getting its ratings is because people were denying that they were watching this stuff. That's why Aaron Spelling was making his money. Uh-huh. Because shows were... He, he made that first man work. And, like, he literally worked from the ground up. I saw... There's an episode of 
He is on an episode of I Love Lucy in like 1953 or some shit where he was acting on the show. Aaron Spelling? Yeah, dude. No shit. I didn't even fucking know that. Dude, and there's a he plays like some country bumpkin, and you can totally see that it's him because a country bumpkin, huh? I know. Well, picture if you know Aaron Spelling out there, guys. You know that's the last thing that motherfucker is. So that's got to be some good acting. (laughs) But here's the thing. But it's funny if you go back and you watch it. He was first of all. The guy probably weighed 89 pounds. Holy shit. He was a tiny guy. Yeah. But and he had those, and, and it's funny because you go back and you look at it, and he had those big, giant eyes. Mm-hmm. And even back in the day, you look at it and you go, and I was funny, I was watching I Love Lucy, and I'm like, why does this motherfucker look so familiar? <laughs> and then at the end, at the end they, didn't, they didn't show you. They told you who the star was. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. And, uh... I miss that kind of shit, you know, where it, it mattered more, you know, not this. Yeah. You know. But you know, he worked from the ground. He worked from the ground up. He didn't just spring out and just started making, you know, premium television. Oh, fuck That guy no. worked his ass off. Oh, yeah. And, like, I think, like, um, like you mentioned Vegas. Like, Tori Spelling was on Vegas. That's right. Wait a minute. But he made her, the thing is, that's what he, you know, yes, that was his daughter, but he put her, he, he had her on um, Hotel. Mm-hmm. He had her on The Love Boat. Mm-hmm. He had her, she was, she, okay, here's the thing that some people may not realize. Acting is a job. And you know what? He put, you know what? If your dad worked at the corner store, you know where your ass is going to be after school every day? Uh-huh. It's going to be at the corner store. So you know what? Her dad was a huge producer and director. So what he did, her after school job, guess what? Working on his shows. Same shit, dude. Yep. That's it, too, man. It was like she was working at the Peach Pit, pretty much. Like, just like on the fucking 90210. Yeah. So, and, you know, um, and, like, a lot of the stuff, I think a lot of people gloss over. But I, you know, I take it as seriously, and I've said this to you before, I take this as seriously as I take any job. Because, you know, at the end of the day... It's a job. It's a man. job, dude. Like any, <laughs> any place that you got to be every day, anytime that somebody's saying, I need you to be on set at this time, you know what? All of a sudden, it's like you working at the grocery store. I need you to be at work at 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, shit, really? Yes. <laughs> what do you that's think? What time, <laughs> that, that's what time it opens. That's what it, <laughs> and, but the thing is, if you show as an actor, if you don't show up as an actor... They hire all of these people, all of these technicians. If one person doesn't show up, it fucks over hundreds of people. You know, man, I we were talking about before we recorded the show, too, in compliance with what you just said. Um, I felt like that might have been one of the reasons Bob Ross, uh, the painter, y'all, actually produced the Andy Griffith show. No one ever puts it together, but his name's right there and his painting's on the fucking end of the credit, The Fishing Hole. They're playing the song, The Fishing Hole. Uh, You know, and I can imagine him just being, separating himself. Because after you look at the kind of paintings he does and what kind of kind guy he is, and and then you look at the the travesty of and the treacherous 
uh, terrain of television, it doesn't really match. So I can picture just with minor detective work and in in some slight assumption that he just fucking left. You know, he was like, don't, I don't want to ever talk about it. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I just want to paint. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but you know, it's, and you know, it's, and I'm, my love for television is never, you know, like, not like classic stuff. You know, it's never yeah. going to go away. No. But. Me um, TV is awesome. Antenna's oh awesome. Uh, Dude, like, Carol Burnett being a huge supporter on Me TV too, you know. And she shows up, man. She shows she's up on me. Still, just rooting, man. Just, just. Yeah. God damn, the energy. You know, it's just phenomenal. Some of these people can go right through it, and they just, you know, I'm sure Carol Burnett has seen her share of bullshit behind the stage. But well, you know, you know one of the things you can't that's tell. cool about 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 Carol Burnett is her story is really similar. This is why I, you know. This is why I think she is just kind of a badass. Mm-hmm. Because, first of all, she didn't look like a mood. First of all, before she started her show, when she was just doing stand-up, she was just some weird-looking chick. And people, she had to fight to get to where she was, you know. But what's cool about her is, like, even though people thought, like, you know, back when she was doing stand-up that she was not the pretty girl, but when you watch Carol Burnett and she would dress up in all these costumes, she was a babe. Oh, yeah. Dude, when she would dress up the whole wind thing and she played the secretary, Mrs. Wiggins, mm-hmm. Tim Conway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tim Conway. Uh, oh, let, let's not leave him out of the TV episode. That would be a travesty, no. you know. Okay, first of all, Carol, first of all, Carol Burnett. Mm-hmm. That fucking show. Oh my god! Is and you know what? This this is another show that if you if you go and you look up clips on YouTube and you watch that shit, I dare you to not laugh. I dare anybody. Yeah, I you know I'd like to see that shit too. Someone just sitting there all straight faced through a Harvey Corman trying to fucking not laugh at Tim Conway just being a totally fucking. Funny motherfucker doing shit that wasn't in the script. You know that's half of it. You know. <laughs> I'm just laughing, thinking about it. <laughs> you know, and fucking, um, you know the whole. Like you were the one who told me the story about Vicky Lawrence. That Vicky Lawrence just basically, like, I think the way that I, you know, that the story goes is that she was just a teenager. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a letter and said, I'm your biggest fan. That's the thing. It's like, the, dude, what kind of audacity is to just write a letter to somebody, say, I'm your biggest fan, I've been studying you, and then have Carol Burnett be like, come on, come be on my show. Uh-huh. And Vicki Lawrence was, she, these, I'm telling you, these people were craftsmen at their shit, but when they burst, when they broke, they broke character, Yeah, we all... We all felt it. We would just giggle along with them and just be like, and every week, man, it was every fucking week the show was just hilarious. Cool characters, funny stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The costumes, first of all, costumes. Very original, Bob man. Mackey. Yeah, Bob Mackie, rocking it you know, out. He did those, 
Yeah, because Bob Mackey also did costumes for the Sunny and Cher show. Holy so we're talking shit. About some shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, come on. Oh, I do. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, he pretty much made her into, if it were no Bob Mackey, and, and when she did that show, it was like all of the pieces came together. The show, okay, first of all, the Sunniest Share show was so hot. Motherfuckers got a divorce and still did their television show. Oh, I know it, man. It was amazing. And, uh, you know, it, it totally reminds me of Soul Sacks uh, marrying uh, uh, Elizabeth Montgomery uh, on, on Bewitched, you know. And oh, yeah. having that the kind of connection, you know, where you'd actually marry the fucking lead actor but you know it's like those people you know first and for, like another just that show was just it was even like watching it now it's like first of all Elizabeth Montgomery just her just her beautiful presence on oh. the show there was something about her and her little face and her, her expressions that show could not have lasted if it without her facial expressions. Even her little, like, wiggling nose thing. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Nope. No one else had... No one else... It was just a great hook. It was one of those great hooks, and, you know, that's the thing about memorial characters. You know, I was, I was thinking about doing that one episode. I'm just going to throw it in here, though, because this is the TV casualty episode. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, liars coming out of television i always thought even on bewitched uh specific skits on uh you know everything that we've covered already one of the elements that exist in this classic classic television is the fact that someone's got to be a liar interesting um i can already see i can already see like the examples. Uh huh. Examples are okay. One of the greatest liars. Yep. On a television show. Let's hear it. Fuck it, Jack Tripper. Woo! You know he's on my fucking top five. Dude. <laughs> that motherfucker lied like, and he was the greatest liar, and just could fucking pop a fucking lie out on the spot. I, it's like, and then you know he was like, as far as a physical comedian. Beautiful guy. Just a beautiful dude. But, like, you're right. Like, great is light. Like, a lot of the shows that that we grew up with was basically the premise of the show was a lie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would always be like, uh, you know, the top liar. Who do you think, the, who, do you, who do you feel is the top liar out of all these motherfuckers? Oh, God, that's a tough one. It is a like, tough one. You know, it's a tough one. Yeah, because if you think about it, Bewitched is based on a lie. It is. I dream of Jean, I dream of Jeannie is based on a lie. They lie all the way through it. <laughs> Every episode is a lie. <laughs> and then the thing is, like, or the show either there's a liar or somebody. Yeah, like I'm trying to think, like. Well, you know Hogan. Uh, oh yeah. Hogan's oh, Heroes. Uh, what was uh, Evans? Robert Evans? Not Robert Evans. Um, uh, God damn what it. was that fucker's name? I, I don't fucking and know he, off. <laughs> wait a minute, here's the sad thing. Go look it up, they guys. Whole, <laughs> wait a minute, they made a whole movie about the star of Hogan's Hero with um, 
back in the about Richard Dawson and the guy who played Hogan, which I'm I'm looking up right now, guys. So I'm going to cheat a little because there's so much information. You know, I just want to be able to get it right. You know, and he he was involved with some porno scandal with uh, Richard Dawson. And you know, while Family Feud was on, while I'm looking this up, you know the the rumor would always be that you know Richard Dawson slept with every woman that ever showed up on, <laughs> on the show. You know? He's like he's like literally like every we would come home from school and watch this man making out. With him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that shit would not fly. Like and dude, and we were just wait a minute. If there was four women in the family, he kissed them. Because every single one of them, even if it was a granny. Bob Crane. Sorry, guys. Bob I, Crane. I just found him. You know, he was a great guy. He was really just some party dude from Texas before he got picked up. You know, he was hanging out in Dallas, fucking getting drunk, doing coke. You know, that was the story. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like a lot of other people. They just find lightning in the bottle, and that's how they end up on fucking TV. But, you know, the, 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 the audacity of making a show about Nazis mm-hmm. in it was only 20 years after World War II and they made a show about Nazis and it was a comedy and people watched it you know that was the thing and the interesting thing is all of the guys who were prisoners in this camp they were all different there was like a French guy yep. and a black Larry guy. Hovis. That was Ivan Dixon yeah. was the black guy. Larry Hovis was uh, the French dude, I think. Maybe not. Yeah, and then and then Richard Dawson was speaking with his real accent. He he was speaking with his normal accent, his uh-huh. English accent, which was just kind of like he was a street guy. Like he was kind of this Cockney guy. And the fact that this show, like somebody was like, sure, put this shit on television. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying, like, but you're talking about, like, the, the whole premise of the show was, like, uh, deception. Deception. That was it. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, um, like, uh, like I, I don't know why, um, like, The Flying Nun, you know? Oh, that God. That show was just... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that was when uh, The Flying Nun was actually... Uh, Sally Fields before the Mandela effect, right? And now she's Sally Field and all the t- weird Twilight Zone shit we live in. I I really haven't seen it happen too much to any other sh- shows, you know, the Mandela effect of changing it necessarily, but that's the most extreme uh, case that I've seen is someone's whole last name changing. Yeah, that Sally Field thing is totally weird. It is weird, man. I mean, I don't understand. Uh, I think I have a grip on quantum shit, but anyway, that's a totally different episode. <laughs> I don't want to get too far off, but there's that's definitely one of the strange things that has happened. Uh, you know, we all know her name was Sally Fields. The end. There's your proof. And the other one was why after years of watching TV, the other one was Ed McMahon. And... That whole publisher's clearinghouse bullshit. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Ugh, you know damn well he showed up at this house with the fucking calling it out. Publisher's clearinghouse week. I can still hear him say it. I know that's what he said. I, whatever, dude. You know what? Moving on. <laughs> 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 what are you going to do about it? Nothing. 
it's just fucking weirdo shit. But uh, otherwise, you know, those old ass uh, Tonight shows with Ed McMahon showing up drunk sometimes, that shit was pretty classic. Dude, they would, everybody used to show up drunk on Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, come on. P. Martin. Oh, well, that's true. And he would always have the roast, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the roasts were, dude, we, first of all, if we're not, if we're going to have a television show, we need to talk about one of the funniest motherfuckers that ever was on television who was ever in comedy, fucking Don Rickles. How could we talk about television without talking about fucking Don Rickles? I guess, you know, I feel the same way, but the way that time is shifting so hard and stuff, I don't, even though he was just, we know that he was joking around and shit, but man, I don't know if he would fly. But you know what? But part of his thing was he was, he was an asshole, you know, but not. In, in a lovable way. And I think that that's what people don't know how to do. Like I like that you're know, saying it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but people don't know how... Because I, I think that with Don Rickles... I mean, a lot of the stuff is like very racy and very racist. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and you watch his comedy and you watch his facial expressions, that is... That's a whole. That is a that is a master class. He honestly loved and, everybody. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you can't. With the the timing is just like it's like a clock. Mm-hmm. It was like watching a, a a very, and I think that that's, you know, because um, he he literally worked up until he died. Yeah. Like that's like a lot of these old cats. Um, even, you know, rest in peace, Carl Reiner, like Carl Reiner. Oh my God. He died last night and the guy, he did? how badass he was. Yes. I didn't know that. Dude, he died last night. Oh my and God. Thing, he was still on Twitter. This is, this is how hardworking these guys were. His ass died last night, like 930. Oh shit. He was shit. still tweeting at like, he was still tweeting at like four something in the afternoon. So that's like badassery. Till the fucking death. Yeah, he went like, all the way. <laughs> you know, but he was still he was still working in TV shows, in movies. He was in Ocean's Eleven. He was in all of. He was like these people. Their their le- their legends for a reason. They're legends because what we see today is like comedy. This stuff is like. They already, the molds were already made years ago. Yeah. People are just making, they're just basically regurgitating a lot of stuff that was already done. Hmm. That's why I like a lot of shows I've, I've seen. And I've tried to watch stuff and I'm like, I just, there's not a lot that I feel like just cracks me up. Yep. Uh, I feel the same way. You know, one of the things I saw yesterday, I mean, rest in peace, Rob Ryan, by the way. You know what, man? Uh, a lot of people didn't understand what you were doing, but I think the people that worked for you knew what, exactly what you were doing. I think, you know, Carol O'Connor, uh, Sherman Hemsley, 
you know, they were put into these positions to both be bigots on representing their their side of the race. And, you know, I think a lot of misinterpretation about it was that Carl was, you know, glorifying it. And that's not what he was doing, y'all. Okay? You need to stop, you know, and look at how things really are. And... You know, you had these two neighbors, you had the Bunkers, and you had the Jeffersons. And the two shows that connected them was Maude, because Maude was Edith's uh, cousin. And then Maude's maid was Florida Evans from Good Times. See, the thing is, and that there, if there was no... See, here's the thing about, like, Norman Lear... Mm-hmm. The guy was, he was fucking genius. And um, yep. this is how genius Norman Lear was. Norman Lear was so hard and such a genius. Wrote for MASH, the Jeffersons, the all of the family. The guy was such a fucking genius that he worked on South Park. So there's like an episode with some aliens and stuff that's in their butts or something like that. Oh, yeah, from the first season? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the way back. <laughs> He he helped them craft that. That's something like he was working. He was working maybe off the clock, but he was working with the guys from um, from South Park. So a lot of these older cats, people think that they just went away. It's like y'all, they don't know. They don't know, man. These people are still working behind the scenes. They are still like um, they're teaching. To make sure that television doesn't suck. That's right. You know. That's right. So, you know, it's like we have to go. We have to respect it, and I think that was the whole point of you know because we were so excited growing up and being a witness. And see, the thing is, we didn't just watch the TV shows of our era. We were watching the TV shows of past eras. So you know, we were like watching shit like from the 50s and the 60s because they were playing all that stuff. So we were watching, like, literally 40 years of television. I know. You know, we were just, and we were just, like, eating it up. Just, like, little, like, that That was in our cereal bowls, too. <laughs> it was just fucking television. I remember, you know, I remember being hooked on these, a certain, you know, number of shows. And Dukes of Hazard was one of them. And, yep, and Rob Snyder, I watched this thing about this video he made the day before yesterday, and he posted it up on his uh, on his account on YouTube or whatever. And, uh, you know, it showed this part of uh, California where they were acting like it was, you know, wherever they were living at in North Carolina. But uh, um, he was talking about, he's like, what do you guys think? Do you think Dukes of Hazard is racist? And I was like, I'm th-, you know, I went through the comments and, you know, one person's like, well, I'm a black man and I grew up with that and I never saw any racism in it. And when you watch it, there's not. But when you look at the car, the car is racist. And that's, he knew that. And I think that that being a prominent issue and these things coming up now, um, it's a good that it does. It's good that it comes up. And it's good that he stopped and he questioned as a as a vintage, you know, TV, 
you know, actor, you know, and mm-hmm. has done so much Smallville. I never got into Smallville, but you know he did fucking ten seasons of that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. See, again, this is stuff that we, all of this television shit, it's like it's all connected. It really is. And I felt like for him to prominently point out the general, you know, the generally, and, you know, it's like that was what people generally were saying. We're like, it's the car, man. <laughs> you know, the car ruined it. <laughs> You know, because if it did, if it weren't for the car, it would have just been some orange car, and it had an American flag on it instead of this rebel flag. Because I remember watching that when I was a kid, and I was like, "Well, the show's fucking wholesome," but I was always trained that to to know that the rebel flag, even back in the late seventies and shit, was racist shit. But you know, it's something that it's interesting that you you mentioned something earlier is that the show um, you're, we were talking about shows that are based on lies and liars mm-hmm. and oh they were great liars oh my god That's awesome like, <laughs> but, and wait a minute and so here's the other thing it's like the sh- we knew here's the thing you know you know what's right and wrong as a kid mm-hmm. but it's nice to see the smart asses get ahead because we all felt like we were, you know, anybody watching Dukes of Hazzard back in those days, whether you were black or white or wherever you came from, you wanted the Duke boys over on Boss Hog. Yeah, there was no way you were going to let Roscoe and Boss Hog get their greasy hands on them Duke boys. No. This is what we can kind of take away from that is... Boss Hog and um, what's his name? Uh, Roscoe Pico Train. Yeah, they were kind of like the old school thinkers, and the Dukes were more of the new school thinkers. You know what I'm saying? So the show was really like you know if we could kind of push that a little bit, maybe that was showing the difference. Mm-hmm. Maybe that that show was showing us like the difference between the two ways of thinking. And, um, you know, and it was, like, it was wholesome, but at the same time, it just rocked, man. It just, like, it rocked it. Uh, you know, that um, the, the car chases were out of this world. Phenomenal. You know, it was like, and you would think, like, a car chase could never be, no, it never got bored. Nope. No, it ran and it ran and it ran until Enos married Daisy, and that's how it ended. <laughs> and then they brought the the, the uh, Dukes of Hazard rare ass spinoff, Enos. Uh, well, wait a minute, and then I don't know. If, okay, I, I may be not remembering this correctly, but I think that about ten years after Dukes of Hazard went off the air, they made a Dukes of Hazard, not the movie that came out at the theaters. It was a made-for-TV special. Yeah. Called Return Return to Hazard or something like that. Dude, see, look at... See, you would know... Not a lot of people remember this shit. Nope, but you and I are experts, and I warned them at the beginning of this episode that we were about to blow their TV socks off, and, you know, they we have been accomplishing that throughout this. <laughs> well, you know, there was also... Okay, there was also a show that that came out around the same time as Dukes of Hazard, mm-hmm. and what they were trying to do is they were trying to capitalize on two different things. One was the Dukes of Hazard. Two, because the 
president of the of the United States at the time was Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. So they came out with a show called Carter Country, which was oh yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, and like that's that was the thing. It's like the fact that like all of this shit is in my head. Fucking Carter you know? Country, holy shit! Yeah, dude. But see, you know, here's the here's you know. I think a lot of shows, you know, if we're going to talk about this. Here's the thing that you and I both know, and um, I think that we can kind of all, everybody, here's the factuals about television in the 70s. A lot of television shows in the 70s are are um, basically remakes of other TV shows. Yeah. So as much as I love Sanford and Son, and I think it is, like, I think Red Fox was just amazing genius. Amazing genius. Um, but um, Sanford and Son, Three's Company, um, gosh, I wish I could remember the whole list, but there's a whole list of shows that were English shows that they just brought over here. The first the first episode, the pilot episodes are, are always shot for shot remakes, and then they kind of deviate once. So there's, you know, the thing is, my, my whole point is, Yes, some people try to cash in, but some of the stuff ends up being greater than the original. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, it's true. You know, I saw the the first episode of Three's Company, the English version, and literally the American one where Jack is. Um, they have a party. Why do I remember this shit? Because I should remember. Like, You're talking about the no. Three's Company pilot, right? When they find yeah. Jack in the passed out in the bathtub. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude, it is a shot-for-shot remake of the English thing, but John Ritter yeah, yeah. brought so much to that role. Oh yeah, that man. Just, I mean. It just the fact that he is just not alive. That's he. It's like one of those Phil Hartman things. It's like mm, another you know, one. Oh god. Yeah, you know where you just want to cry that this person isn't on the planet anymore. I right? did. I fucking cried when Jack. Uh, you know, John Ritter died, and I was already. I was still calling him Jack Tripper. You know, because that's who he really is. But that yeah. uh, um, him and Phil Hartman was totally devastating. And, you know, these guys put so much effort into changing our life, you know? And, you know, they brought, and what they bring to the comedy, to uh, to a lot of, you know, comedy brought, like, a, it's like when you were watching them, it was like, they just, it was like, they were like water. You know, like Bruce said, you move like water. Mm-hmm. That's what they were in comedy, where they were just moving like water. You know, like you, like what you saw John Ritter doing every week on Three's Company was just kind of like, nobody could fit into that role. Like that man took that role and he was like, I'm going to make this role my bitch. And we just fell in love with him every mm-hmm. single fucking week. And, you know, here, and the premise of the show is just kind of charming, you know? Here's a guy, you know, these kids living in Santa Monica. Oh, totally Santa Monica, right on the fucking boardwalk, you know? <laughs> yeah. They, they, like, they have this, like, bitchin'-ass apartment. Mm-hmm. They they needed me, but back in the day, like, a guy could not live with two girls unless he was gay, which, 
actually, here's the thing. I, I, I've been living in L.A. most of my life. Um, with all the hippies and the artists and stuff like that, I'm pretty sure lots of straight guys were living with girls. But I think for television, you had to think of... It was a hook. It was a hook, you know? Yeah. That's what it you was. Had to think of, you know, you had to think of, like, middle... You had to think of all of America. Because... But then Jack was just, you know... He was just doing, you know, he was a hot guy, you know. He had his thing, and, you know, it was just, but it was sweet. And you know what ruined it? You know what ruined that show, right? It was fucking Suzanne Summers. Because as Chrissy, she demanded an extra fucking, you know, everybody was getting a set like $10 million an episode. Did you know that? She, I think my, my understanding is that she wanted more more money than everyone else. She wanted more money than everybody else and just caused the show really to go downhill because she knew she was a pivotal part of that whole thing. And, you know, they replaced her with uh, three other blondes. Yeah. And they were like diet versions of her all the way, you know, you just never could get back the original, you know, first seasons. But it's like, you know, it's like even with um, I think that's one of the things when you replace a character on a show, it's so it's so hard to come back from that. It's just it's like what if somebody tried to replace? What if they took the funds out of Happy Days, dude? Right. Well, you know they actually tried, man. You know when they took Richie out, they made him join the Marines, and then he comes back and gets married to some weirdo hippie chick. Her name was her name was Mary Beth. Oh God! Please don't remind me. There's some parts I just am better off not remembering. You know. Okay, let's talk about these. What is okay? Because we're gonna wrap it up here in about ten minutes. Um, but here at the end in the last ten, what is your? You know, just name like a fa- a couple, if not one of your favorable. Let's share a couple favorable number one fucking moments on TV. Um, oh, gosh. That's, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. I, I can't even say, like, I, I think what I'm going to do is not even try to think of my favorite because that's like, you know, trying to pick out your favorite kid. Or Plus, you, you're not going to remember until the show's over anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's a given. No, but, but, you know, no, seriously. Um, okay, well, since we were talking about it... <clears throat> And again, I, I I look at these shows that you do. Mm-hmm. I feel like what you do is like you're just having people talk about whatever their experiences, and people want to do research and do research. Yeah. But that last episode of um, <clears throat> the last episode of uh, of Mash. Yeah. And Hawkeye basically like he has a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And um. And it's not, it's, it's, when you watch it, it is like, it, it makes you uncomfortable because they, they, they did a good job on it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like, um, you know, Alan Alda, like, you know, it was so funny. I saw him one time in person, like, walking oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. But it, the thing was, I didn't even know what to say. And right. Like, what do you say to somebody who's been in your life? Hey, Hawkeye, what's up, dude? No. 
<laughs> I don't think so. You're gonna get up to. You're gonna be around Alan all and being like, I don't think I want to say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I can't think, it's like you know, you've been in my life longer than you know most people. So, but I think that the sh- I think that he I think that the show was um, they played they paid homage to the Marx Brothers. And the, you know, and I think the Marx Brothers, if you go back and watch all that old shit and you're like, especially like when it's like, when you realize that it was dirty. Oh, yeah. Fuck. It's fucked. Yeah. Filthy. Uh And um, it's like, and it's only when you become an adult. That's why it's good to go back and watch this stuff. Because it's only when you go back as an adult and you watch it and you're like, oh, this shit was filthy. Mm -hmm. This was. It's like <laughs> the cartoons were filthy, dude. Uh, like we, were, we were watching straight up smut, and we didn't even know it. Well, plus suicide was legal on those old cartoons too, and they had weapons and shit too. That was cool. Um, but you know, What's your moment? okay, my moment. Two of them that come to my mind: the end of uh, the second New Heart series, where he runs that fucking. Uh, he runs the old uh, uh, Victorian summer house or whatever, and Larry and his brother Daryl and his other brother Daryl. But you know, if you go all the way through that that series, not the original one, not the one that came out during the Mary Tyler Moore phase, but in the eighties, and if you go through that, but you know how it ends, right? He wakes he wakes up next to his wife on the old episode and says, wow, I had the craziest dream about this rental house and all. You know? I just thought that was the best fucking ending. Uh, And it's so underrated. No one ever remembers that. You know, but... Dude, that... First of all, the fact that you brought that up... Oh, Bob Newhart. Fucking genius, man. Fucking underrated. (laughs) I remember... First of all, this is... You know what's so funny about a lot of this shit? Is I I feel like you were the you were already this punk rock kid mm-hmm. you were already this metalhead but here always you have are, been yep <laughs> but here you are and I here's the thing and I know it, and you here's the thing you're not gonna you first of all you wouldn't even deny it no you were watching fucking in the most punk rock and metal of your days watching Newhart and I know you watched that episode when it aired. And I, I did. I'm telling you. I did. I'm t- it, it, now, if, if that episode, I remember watching that, and I was laughing, but I was also sobbing. That was me. That was me, you know. Um, also, I, you know, another one that I wanted to bring up was Alf. Because uh, oh, dude. the end of Alf, y'all, if you haven't seen that last, the, he gets busted by the government. And the Tanners get fucking relocated to some other place in, in a different part of the world. They, get, they have to move and all this other shit. And you only know that because they finished it in the fourth season. They were like, well, in the fifth season, we'll have them, like, you know, having to deal with the government and shit. But instead, they just made it into a movie. And they try to wrap it up in that. And it shows what happened to Alf in this movie. It was on for about, you know, a minute. That thing's pretty filthy. And then, uh, you know, at the end of it, of course, he uh, uh, exists on a government base, but everybody knows who he is, and he's got the rule of the land, you know, because he's Alf. 
I always thought that was weird. <clears throat> that whole show is... It was weird. It was weird. I didn't like the whole sportsy part of Alf. And he was kind of like this guy from Chicago who liked baseball and eating cats. You know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, otherwise, I, you know, there is a bunch of shit. Uh, the one thing I wanted to bring up that was on TV was from my grandma, Sugar. And her and my grandfather, they watched the moon landing on TV. Oh, wow. And my grandma was the first person to ever introduce a conspiracy theory to me at all. I think I was like 13 turning 14. It was right around then. Mm -hmm. And Suge came up to me one day and was all, Boy, don't ever say nothing to your grandpa, but when we were watching that moon landing, I saw a boom mic fall out of the top of it. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, She's like, it was fake. And uh, yeah. and she knew, like, you know, back then. And, you know, later on, you hear the Stanley Kubrick fucking conspiracies and, you know, how he built the moon landing and how he filmed it. And if you guys didn't know that out there in Radioland, uh, well, that's... Go look it the fuck up. You know, I'm not going to spend five minutes talking about it, but I thought that was a memorial part of television history, and I didn't even see it. It was just word of mouth from my grandma. But you know what? I think the fact that that was a pivotal, that information, you know, she basically, your grandma Sugar, mm -hmm. kind of, she, she kind of helped, how can I put it? She kind of puts you on a path. She did. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, she bought me my first punk rock leather jacket. But you know, here's a cool. Here's my last like little television weirdo story, I guess. Uh, one time we were watching. Uh, I thought we were watching two two seven, and uh, you know it was in Wilmington, North Carolina. It was at that time when two two seven would have been on the air weekly, uh, still being aired. And there was this bad lightning storm, man. And I don't know if y'all know what bubble lightning is. But bubble lightning can travel through appliances. And when it comes out of an appliance, if the lightning hits it the right way, a bubble sphere of lightning will come out of the TV. Whoa. And it looks like a ghost. And it's fucking freaky looking. And this weird bubble lightning shit hit my grandma and grandpa's fucking antenna while I was hanging out with them this one summer. I was a kid in North Carolina. And that big old, it was like one minute it's like, you know, Marla Gibbs on the TV, her face, and then all of a sudden it's fucking this big old sphere of lightning coming out of it. I always thought that that was like this symbolic, you know, kind of like, congratulations, you hit 200,000 hours of television at it. <laughs> that is actually, you know what? Like a comedy script, yeah, or like even, or even like a scene from like even if you were going to do like just a sketch, mm -hmm. that would that would be a funny sketch. It would be. That would be, dude. See, look at, tell, see, this is what this is what's missing from television. <laughs> Originality. <laughs> wow, go figure, David Lynch. You don't hold all all the cards, but 
so far, you know, you're doing a good job holding them because everybody else that they hire into the television racket fucking sucks. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's very little that I, there's very little that I love. There's some stuff that I like, but not a lot that I, I'm just obsessed with. And a lot of the stuff that I'm obsessed with, generally, it's like a lot of the, I don't know, it's, I wouldn't call it a reality television show, like stuff that's like documentary-like. I like that stuff. Yeah. Because a lot of that stuff is just compelling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like how they can have a whole TV show about an island in Canada, <laughs> and you can just watch it every week. And it's like, I don't even know what. It's like, I could be out doing productive shit, but they will, like, that stuff's cool. But a lot of the scripted stuff, um, I just, I have a problem with a lot of it. It's just not funny. Yeah. In the way that, um, I mean, I'm talking about shows that'll be on for like 12 years, dude, and the shit does not, does not make me crack a smile. Yep. It, they're not, it's no uh, Bob Denver and Alex Hale, you know? You're not on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> But, yeah. you know, we're going to leave it here on Gilligan's Island. And boom. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> a three-hour tour. <laughs> you know, thank you, Kim, yeah. for joining me tonight. And thank you guys out there for listening to these old relics relish in their fucking phenomenal amnesia. And <laughs> I want to thank you guys also. And if you can write television... Go back and watch this old shit and get inspired by that. Because I'm telling you, man, you're not going to find it on this new shit. You might see Adult Swim and be like, well, I like this and that. You know, that's cool. Whatever. You know, Black Jesus, awesome. Mike Clattenburg, you know, uh, uh, the guy who does Boondocks, you know, and I can't remember his name. Sorry about the, uh, you know, uh, not, not giving a throw out like that. But there's a lot of shows that are good, but they're just spread out, guys. And they're not the same as... Obviously, when we only had three networks and you had to get your ass up and turn the station with a knob, you know, and get affected by this radiation. And I thank you for sharing these radioactive memories with me, Kim. Thank you for coming back. Radioactive memories. That's what they are. Thank you. I love you, man. You're fucking awesome. We're going to come back. We're going to do something else, you know, but... This show's been fucking pretty great, and I want to thank you for the memories. Thank you. You're welcome, and uh, thanks for putting out a great, you know, putting out a great podcast. Hey, man, let's just keep it punk. You know what I mean? <laughs> keep All it right. punk rock. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye, Kim. Fuck yeah, man! That was fucking awesome, dude. What a great fucking flashback series. you know it alright you ain't gotta tell me twice you're going to anyway (laughs) welcome back to season 3 guys the first episode of season three with the beautiful and illustrious Kim L. Jackson. <sighs> We've all done this. 
I remember for me, man, growing up, MTV, Rouster, Young Ones, Headbangers Ball, 120 minutes, watching Night Flight on USA Network. You know, this was before Jerry Springer and all these dicks. Yep, Skip Stevenson. Uh, Rob Snyder. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Who shot JR? <laughs> We've got nothing better to do. Then record at a MD GD for you. <laughs> Holy shit. Fucking forty fucking years of television at least that I can remember. The rest of it's kind of childhood blurry. And at the end of it, I was pretty drunk. You know, there was a number of years I didn't even watch TV, dude. I was too punk rock. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. By the time I came back into television, the shit was more vivid and better than ever. Why bother? <laughs> We're just partying around here, guys. Season three. Welcome back. We got some fucking guests coming up. I'm not going to bore you. You'll just have to fucking be surprised when it happens. Fuck spoilers. No TV. A couple of brews? <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. <laughs> and no Adam Air MDGED. Underground Cartoon Therapy. <laughs> yep. Well, dream on. We live still. <laughs> You've been listening to Adamair MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy.